Hey guys, I'm Jacqueline Smith, and this is I Was Told Jack, the podcast. Let's face it, womanhood, relationships, motherhood, health, it's all messy, confusing, and no one gave us the full disclaimer for any of it. I'm a mom of twin boys, and I don't know what I'm doing, but like you, I'm figuring it out every day, unpacking all of these impossible standards and misconceptions with you. So, thanks for being here. Hey tribe, how's it going? In today's episode, we're going to comb through my recent interview with nutritional therapist, friend of 14 years, Clovis founder and CEO and handsome devil himself, my friend, Justin Nolt. If you haven't listened to that episode yet on his podcast platform, you can go check it out at the Clovis Culture Podcast. It's on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and all your other favorite podcast platforms. And today's show is chock full of goodies with or without listening to that podcast, but you'll be able to better understand the context and get more out of this episode if you start out over there first. So there were four points that I made that I really want to either drive the point home on those comments with you or clear up exactly what it was that I meant, especially in my comments about kids and my parenting. So let's start from the beginning and get into it. In the beginning of the episode, when I talk about my story, I mention my quote-unquote magical number that would make me happy. Yes, that was a size six. And, I mean, have you ever felt like that about anything? Maybe it was a certain bikini, or rather than a certain size, maybe it was just a feeling of if I looked like her, whoever your magical her is, I'd be happy mentality, right? I mean, I went through all of those things. So, spoiler alert, there's actually no magic number. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) And I know that I talk a lot about nutrition, but the point that I wanted to drive home is that I never want you to feel like I'm telling you to lose weight or telling you to diet. My honest opinion about what the right weight, quote unquote, or size for you is not a simple definition. It's whatever size and shape comes easily to you when you're feeding yourself for fuel and health, not what you feed yourself from a place of emotion. It's whatever size allows you to function in the world in a way where you aren't held back. So maybe that means getting stronger. Maybe that means beefing up your mass. Maybe that means slimming down. Notice that I didn't say how you look in the world, but how you function in the world, right? So to sum it up, I genuinely don't care if you're a size 20 or a 2. That tells me absolutely nothing about your health or your happiness. I care if you can keep up with your kids. I care if you feel like a dime when you walk into a room. And spoiler, if you don't feel that way 50 pounds overweight, you won't feel that way 15 pounds underweight, sister. But I care if you can do a flight of stairs without getting super flushed. Now, my obsession with food and nutrition is actually in how it makes you feel, not what it does for your body composition. And I love how many things that food can fix with the least amount of side effects and even less long-term side effects. If you make a wrong turn with nutrition, it's a really quick adjustment. You can figure it out relatively easily. So I know that it feels like I'm evangelical about this, and yeah, it's because I am, (laughs) but it's never because I want you to change who you are or what makes you beautiful, ever. 
I just want you to feel amazing all of the time because it'll literally change everything else about your life. Capiche? Excellent. All right, I'll start off. Stop harping on that one. Okay, so on to my next point that I'd like to drive home for you. I really meant what I said when I said no one will love you because you're smaller. Now, I know that seems like a kind of harsh or brash comment right off the bat, but I know that a massive amount of motivation for me behind my own weight loss journey, all 20-something years of it, was to try and be loved more. So walk with me down memory lane here for a minute. All right, this is embarrassing, but I had a crush on the same guy for years when I was a kid. The whole world knew it. He knew it. And this is back when AOL was like the thing, right? So he and I would talk like all night long on Messenger and he wouldn't even acknowledge my existence at school. This happened for literally years. And shockingly to you, I am sure I can tell you that I wasn't a cool kid, (laughs) that my folks wouldn't let me go to parties that, trust me, I wasn't invited to in the first place. And bending the rules made my face turn into a tomato and I'd literally start to sweat. Somehow, despite all of these obvious disadvantages when you have a crush on someone who was part of the quote-unquote in crowd, I convinced myself that the only reason he wouldn't go out with me is because I was so chubby. The reason I thought I was so chubby is in part because I hit puberty super early. I'm talking like nine years old. And I was aware, very, very aware, that most of my class nimmies were not there yet physically in their puberty journey. And it made me incredibly self-conscious, like for the next 10 years self-conscious. So my whole life turned into that being my shield and my excuse and my everything. My music career would be so much further along if I were sexier, aka smaller. The flaws in my personality would be forgiven socially if I were prettier, aka smaller. All those other guys after middle school guy who wanted all of my time when no one was around but wouldn't hold my hand on a train... They would be proud of me if only I were hotter, or, you guessed it, smaller. It started to become my obsession and real beauty, who and what I thought was beautiful, sexy or attractive, started to feel like it didn't even matter. I saw people responding to other women the way that I wanted to be responded to, regardless of their goodness or their lack thereof, or intelligence, talent, beauty, on and on. And... It's also worth saying that if you're looking at the world or other women from this place of lacking, like I was at that time, from a place of desperation and pain, it is overwhelmingly easy to see what's not so great about other women. That negative, competitive energy just recycles on itself and grows. And ironically, it's incredibly ugly. So... At that time, it felt like the only thing that mattered was the size of the jeans. If that was going to be such a deciding factor, I decided then fine, I would destroy myself and I would get there. Another spoiler alert, I never actually got there, ladies. Not even close. I lost some weight with the heavy restriction, the working out for sure, Um, but nowhere near what I wanted. And the corresponding panic attacks, guilt trips indigestion, hair loss, teeth thinning, and mood swings didn't make me much fun either. So 
fast forward to the luxury of hitting 30. Yes, you did hear me right. I said the luxury and becoming a mother. I can so clearly see that the women that I found and do find the most enchanting, the most gorgeous and had the most men in their circle were simply beautiful humans. And that's not because I'm a woman. So I thought that. And yes, small caveat, you will see quote unquote mainstream hot women all over the internet or in real life with a gaggle of men in their circle and they always seem to have friends around for no reason other than that woman is sexy as hell. But if you are radically honest with yourself and with me, how comfortable would you be either ignoring the shitty motives of everyone around you or being alone until you had thoroughly vetted every human in your life to understand exactly why they were hanging around you. If you can be honest, that kind of sounds shitty too, I think. So those ladies are no further ahead of me (laughs) on a Friday night in my men's sweats with ice cream watching Queer Eye for the fourth time. Hashtag no regrets. (laughs) So I also said in the interview, the most stunning women I've known and I know men feel the same way about them is because of who they are now we just touched on that a little bit but I have a funny story for you a few days ago A came home and was describing a customer at his place of work and he said no joke in his blunt filter-free way she was one of those women who's you know all right to look at but her personality was so cool she was instantly way more attractive you know And he said it to me like it was the biggest piece of common knowledge he'd ever said. Like, of course, that was a thing. And I just responded with, yeah, I know exactly what you mean, because I did. I mean, you know, that guy who's like sort of cute, but really funny and thusly far more popular than you'd expect him to be if you expect the world to be shallow or that guy in the band. I mean, I went to music school. This was definitely a thing that is quiet the guy who's maybe a little edgy for your taste but then he starts to play or you hear his music and you're like damn (laughs) and all of a sudden it's getting a little hot in the room right I mean why do we assume that that magic only happens for men that's self-hating bs you have your own x factor and people worth knowing see it in you every day know that so the bottom line on that little tangent is you're regardless, you are a goddess, regardless of size. Knock it off. I stuttered, so I'm going to say it again. You are a goddess, regardless of size. So knock it off. <laughs> on to my next point. So this next one isn't whittled down into a single comment, more so a topic. I spoke about my boys and their sensory issues and in my nervousness, I mean, you can hear my voice get a little softer. I start losing my words a little bit in that part of the interview, but I not only misspoke, I also failed to mention the progress my kids have made, all of their strengths and just how incredibly ridiculously proud of them I am. And as a mother listening back to that interview, this feels like a grievous oversight that I really want to clear up. So SPD is sensory processing disorder, not perception, like I said in the episode. (laughs) 
The definition of SPD is actually a condition in which the brain has trouble receiving and responding to information that comes in through the senses. So since that interview was recorded, we've actually since discovered that the boys have some vision impairment that contributes to their predominantly visual sensory issues. So while I feel as though I accurately described the boys' obstacles, meaning the visual sensory issues that have created um, a delay of communication with both receptive and expressive communication, I do feel like I failed to mention their progress. So, for my miles, he flies through exercises and seemed determined to impress our beloved caseworker in each of his sessions. He is strong and affectionate and will definitely be the leader of our tiny pack of humans once they're all earthside. <laughs> His one-on-one -on -one interactions is always meaningful, engaged, and full of affection. He's never met a stranger, and he revels in any and every little bit of independence that he can steal for himself. Um, we're actually getting a few words in now. Um, in situationally appropriate context, things like, Hi up and yum yum and i swear i've heard mom although that might be wishful listening that's that one's yet to be proven and as for oliver he's getting really great at cueing me and his dad when and with what he wants so he'll push you into a room that he'd like you to pay attention to him in or things like moving your hand into the food that he would like more of and saying yum yum clear as day he is a double-jointed little acrobat and the best, has the best balance that I have ever seen, period. His yoga moves are unparalleled and his bravery is heart attack inducing for mommy on a daily basis. <laughs> his laugh is the best sound in the universe and his ability to regulate himself during his meltdowns is getting better every single time. So now that we understand what's going on with him and understand the difference between his meltdowns and his tantrums, our real work is actually creating the right environment for both scenarios. I don't treat meltdowns the same way that I do tantrums, like when he sees someone else with food that he wants but can't have, which is usually his dad. So this next thought may be controversial, but in all transparency and honesty, I'm hopeful that we'll reach a point sooner rather than later where there's no detectable impairment for my kids. That we will have given them the skills to work around whatever obstacles may still be there as they go through life. But if you think about it, isn't that kind of the name of the parenting game, right? We all just want to give our kids the tools to overcome obstacles regardless of what they are. If we never get there to that point where they're able to kind of, for lack of better phrasing, blend in, so to speak, with their peers, that's fine. And I'm preparing for that. But as their mother, if I don't wave the giant ass flag of hope and faith for them, I don't know how they're supposed to do it for themselves. Obviously and realistically, it is a tightrope to walk between encouraging your kids that they can do anything that they want and accidentally making them feel like you'll be disappointed if they don't always hit the bullseye on their goals. But I would rather walk that tightrope for the rest of my earthly life, tenuous and terrifying as it is, than to not try and lift my children up because they might get the wrong message when I'm not paying attention. I hope that makes sense. I actually went back and forth a few times as to whether or not to even bring up this topic of my kids. 
But I knew Justin was going to want to talk about the boys in Clovis and the power of nutrition with kids is something I obviously have an incredible amount of conviction towards. However, I also don't want to invade my baby's privacy or their dad's. This whole journey has been very hard on him and us. And I'm kind of leveraging all of that with this, with literally nothing in it for me. Other than, of course, the possibility of inspiring you to change your family's lives. And I have seen too many families completely turned around by nutrition intervention. I am not telling you what is best for your kids. I cringe at the thought of the words, I think it's best, even coming out of my mouth. Although with my (laughs) consistently beating this in, I can tell that, you know, at first blush, it might seem as though that is exactly what I'm doing is telling you what to do with your kids. But in all honesty, I'm more worried about you. What can I tell you that will make your life easier? That's why there's a podcast. I don't want you to hate your motherhood in the deep, dark corners of your mind because of issues that may have been utterly fixable by taking away something that agitates your kid's gut, messes with his sleep cycle, and affects their behavior days after consuming it. That's the power of nutrition, whether we like it or not. So that's what ultimately drove my decision to talk about something so personal to my family. Another more minor reason why I decided to share was people assume all of the time that making the switch with my kids to Clovis was easy. I think they mostly assume that because I don't have older children to switch and because the boys were 16 months when I made the change and I did it all at once with almost no tapering off. But nothing could be further from the truth. All my kids ate was rice cereal, fruit, veggies, more fruit, whole milk and a little pureed chicken if I could dress it up enough to not taste like wallpaper paste. I mean, well, that (laughs) and whatever cookie cracker glorified sugar disc their dad gave them when I wasn't around, of course. So they were one and a half with visual impairment issues, completely nonverbal, and I had just moved from Maine to New York with them after their dad and I split. Now you're probably thinking, hey, that sounds like a really terrible time to take away pretty much every food your kids know and love. And yeah, it 100% was a terrible time. But here's the thing. There is never going to be a good time, guys. There's never a good time. There's never a time when this switch will quote unquote be easier. My babies were sugar addicts. Even over a year later, you should still see O when he sees a cookie. (laughs) This child loses his ever-loving mind at the sight of that circular little crack disc, crying, throwing himself, screaming over the sight of a cookie. And I'm sure if you're a mom that you can relate. And obviously, when our littles are tired, all the rules of social logic just literally fly out of the window. But even if your kid isn't overtired, maybe your little's cookie is ice cream or Sour Patch Kids or even goldfish, that behavior is not just being too. That's a little intense. Anyway, (laughs) it took about two weeks for my kids to switch over. They'd never had beef before, and I had to figure out a substitute for all the puree packets that they loved that contained anywhere between 9 to 15 grams of sugar 
a pack and they can house those things and breakfast had to be completely reinvented so just to refresh Clovis doesn't do dairy sugar grains fruit soy dyes or legumes so yeah I had to get creative and yep I had to hold on tight to tiny humans while they freaked out about pancakes void of sugar or syrup and replace all those glasses of milk that they were drinking during the day with paleo powder shakes and it fucking sucked because I already felt like a horrible failure of a human being and mother because my babies, the two halves of my entire heart, were experiencing their family breaking up, living with my parents in the same room with me in my brother's childhood bedroom. And I still did this switch. Why? Because even then I had my suspicions about the boys' development in communication and everything I read from legitimate resources, of course, I'm really careful with where I get my information from, spoke about the gut-brain connection. Any parent I was brave enough to talk to about my fears, because trust me, I was not keen to talk about any issues with my kids to anyone. Even those parents suggested some sort of diet change that was kind of sort of Clovis-ish. So with everything pointing me in the direction for a DIY way to investigate this further without the intervention of labels and pharmaceuticals and with the trust that I had in Justin from our bazillion year relationship, I just went for it without any delay because that's how scared I was. That's how desperate I was to get things right side up for my babies. So all of that to say... It wasn't easy because my babies were young. They weren't smushy six months old. They were tiny human people that I couldn't even bribe or guilt into this. And at their age, punching and kicking me isn't considered assault yet. So just keep that in mind. (laughs) And my folks are not Clovis. They did not get Clovis. And I had a very verbal opposition to the way that I was cooking for and feeding my kids literally every day. For months, there was a fight. My mother loves my children almost as fiercely as I do and just wanted to protect them. I get it. My feelings came in second and not a close second, mind you, friends. So there were so many reasons, valid excuses, right at my fingertips to not make the change. I was just that afraid that in the time lost to my hemming and hawing, the delays would be greater and it would be harder for us to find our way back. So all of that is why I can make comments like when you get to look at your struggle through the gift of the lens of someone else's struggle, maybe you get to decide if your struggle is actually a struggle or more of a difficulty. That's pretty much verbatim what I said in the interview. And I really hope that those comments were taken in the spirit in which they were intended. Our heart is what someone else prays for. My struggle, everything that I just said to you about my life, is what another woman is praying for. Now, to pump the brakes a little bit, you know me. I am not into the concept of someone else's pain ever being a reason to negate the struggle and pain that you feel. But for me, it helps to have some perspective to ease the panic I can very easily feel in my own struggle. That's it. I want to make your viewpoint on your hardships dial down a few notches, if for literally no other reason than your own sanity. The end, full stop. 
What you do from there is 100% your business, and I love that. I just want to give you the opportunity to pump the brakes if that's an appropriate thing for you to do. So hopefully all of that helps you process my interview with Justin a little bit better, and hopefully through all of this you can understand me a little bit better too. That's all I have for you today, Chive. And if you like this episode, please like, comment, share all the things and all the places. And I will speak to you soon. If you have any questions or comments, and again, like I said, I am always up for a conversation about this even further. You can find me on all the platforms at I Was Told Jack. And in the meantime, love yourself, love your tribe, and find your glow wherever you can. I love you for listening. Bye-bye.